Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. I have Grace Harry with me today as my guest. We're talking about um, The Joy Strategist. It's her new book, and I'm excited to dive in. But before I do, let me give you a little background on Grace. And uh, she's an artist, entrepreneur, creative muse, instigator and speaker after an illustrious 30-year career in entertainment grace the joy strategist uh, found her calling leading to what she calls the revolution of joy uh, through her popular playdate community play with grace she helps everyday people welcome joy back into their lives which we all need uh, her work has been featured in the new york times hello giggles vogue online Times UK, the London Evening Standard, and many, many more. Um, in her 30 years working as a music industry executive at Island Def- Jeff Deckham and Jive Records, Grace uh, Harry, <clears throat> excuse me, has lived her many creative lives at the intersection of art and the passionate pursuit of joy, a long but vital birthright. Many of us have no idea what joy truly is, and capturing it is often easier said than done. In The Joy Strategist, which is what we are going to be highlighting today, Grace takes readers on a journey to explore all dimensions of joy, how we find it, how we can rediscover it, and how we can incorporate it into our daily lives. Sometimes lighthearted and always real, The Joy Strategist shows readers how to break through creative or emotional ruts that keep them from tapping into their innate ability to feel true and unfettered joy. Grace coaches readers with meaningful autobiographical anecdotes and her toolbox of playful activities, which include quite a few things that we are going to go into, like inner GPS um, or wage um, against your own heart and many more. Um, I've looked at the book. It's an amazing layout. Um, It's very, very cool. And I'm excited to dive in. Welcome, Grace Harry to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, you have quite the resume, quite the the spread. I like to keep busy. Absolutely. I mean, that's the best thing. You get lots done. Um, so we're talking about the joy strategist today, your path to interchange. Um, before we do, I'm gonna ask my icebreaker question that I ask all of my guests, which is what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Okay. The cookie, you started with a very loaded one. Oh. Um, I, I'm a I'm a cookie monster. I have a cookie obsession. And I have many cookie stories. When I was a teenager, I would subsidize my, I lived on my own at 17 and I had to pay rent. And one of the, I worked at a catering company, but I would always make these, um, these, these white chocolate chip, white chocolate chip with cherry cookies and sell them to Dean DeLuca when it was still on Prince and Broadway. I also now during the pandemic, the thing I missed the most in the world were cookies. And I was spending the, almost the whole time trying to figure out healthy versions of cookies. But if you left me alone and sugar wasn't a thing, peanut butter, something like peanut buttery with nuts and chocolate. And I just, yeah, something like that. 
Yeah, I'm a big cookie fan. Um, I love that that question because everyone, if I get returning guests, they'll change it. Sometimes it's the same. It's always so different. Some people like, I'm not a big oatmeal raisin fan, but there's some guests that are like, oh, I love it. I'm like, not my thing. Great. You know, so it's fun to see. And everyone around the world, I've got someone from Australia, Tim Tams or something like that. So it's fun to highlight it. So dip in it there. Is. My daughter calls me Cookie Monster. She's the one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. And how old is she? 28 now, but for years. She's like, all right, mom, I see you. There's a plate of cookies, just one. Just one, just just the one. Can't ever, can't ever have just one, guys. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely not. So tell, okay, you have quite the background. So you've got a music background. Now you're an author. Is this your first book that you've written? My first book, it's my baby. Okay, and how long did it take you to write it? Five years in truth. You know, yeah. it wasn't like every day consistent, but for five years, it was the stages of it were wild. And I really wanted to also, this book is for me to, I want to share what's worked for me. And I want people to just be inspired to do their own inner work, to change their energy and live a different life. So I wanted to really be about it. So leaning into the practices, workshopping them, with my friends and my kids, that all was a part of that five-year process as well. So one, you're talking about like the joy strategist. That's a very specific because you've got happiness and like all the all the different names for it. Um, why you you highlighted joy? Where were you finding that you were lacking joy in your life, where you felt like you had to go and look for it, and then you mastered it? Obviously, you wrote a book about it. So where at, at that point? Because you had quite the career in music. So I'm assuming that wasn't fulfilling you anymore, or maybe it was just looking for a change. You know, it's not that it wasn't fulfilling me anymore and needed a massive change in that one area. I just started to realize I was feeling a lot less joyful. You know, when I was with my children, I could access this level of joy. But in other parts of my life, I, I it wasn't feeling like that. I had achieved this aspirational dream. And as a recovering people pleaser, fear of rejection, I, I just realized that I had jumped on the train of making other people happy, making sure that I was safe because they felt loved and they felt cared for. And I was the one missing there. You know, when you go on an airplane and they say, put your own mask on first, you know, before you put it on your kid's face. Right. So you can have oxygen too. This concept eluded me. And I, I feel the thing that really got me was sitting in the, sitting inside of the reality of a third divorce and realizing your children do as you do, not as you say. And so if I'm not figuring out how to mirror for them love and joy and partnership, how can I expect them to be in partnership that makes me happy around my future grandkids? Um so I had to get on that into that work and it started with really having a love affair with myself. And we hear all this new buzzword about self-love, but what does that mean? You know, that it felt so complicated to me as a person here to serve others. And just when I started to lean into that, I realized that I am not the joy strategist. My heart is that all of us have that. All of us have that strategist in our own self. If we learn to let it guide us, if we trust ourselves enough, to be there. And I believe that pre-verbally, we create this kind of, this decisions around love based on early heartbreaks. I could tell you a funny little story that helped me figure it out if you want to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to touch on that though, with the divorce thing, like that's kind of where I've started as well. That's where I, the, the people pleaser as well. I, I just got out of a, a divorce and, you know, ex exactly what you said about the kids, you know, they're a product of their environment. And so they're going to, know what they see. And so if you're not providing the environment that you truly want them to model later and, and, you know, grow upon in their lives because they don't know 
what it really looks like, but you can't imagine, you can't tell them, well, this is what's supposed to, but why isn't it happening? And it's really just something that drove me to make changes. And uh, my kids were the driving force because it's like, if I'm not happy, they can't see that. If they understand that this is the norm, this is their normal, but this is not normal. And I don't want them repeating cycles. So um, I can much happier now that I'm more uh, boundary like setting and just really like, this is what I want. I don't want this, you know, I want, right. Yeah. A hundred bajillion percent. Yeah. And, and I feel that, you know, they, they come in with their own backpack of things to do with. So I didn't want to hand off to them all my things. And because I'm a gold star, gold star, I was getting good at going to these workshops and all these retreats and reading these books and realizing what my issues were but I wasn't leaning into a strategy about how to feel differently in my every day. And I meditated for a long time on how did I get here? And I just started thinking about when you come into this planet, right? When you're born, however you want to say it, let's say I'm your mom and you're three days old and you've had three days of euphoria. I've been nursing you. We're looking into each other's eyes. All the happy hormones are flying around. You feel like you're secure and you're safe as a baby to now get onto the bigger things of learning how to walk and talk and but if on the fourth day, I get a disturbing phone call and I turn my eyes away from you, in your five days of life, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Now, day seven, I'm bragging to my friends that every time I'm feeding you, you're squishing my elbow. I think that's so cute. But you know what that really is? That's our first performative love moment. That's when we realize, oh, I've got to, oh, I've got to do something more to keep this thing coming in. And that's a pre-verbal experience. So unlike if I were going to work out and I knew a trainer was going to, I was going to be sore and I'd be bragging to you, complaining, bragging, oh, I can't sit on the toilet, I'm in pain. This other experience was pre-verbal. So now we're on, at least for me, it, it felt that I had then created this persona with my young parents of, oh, okay, I got to keep, okay. And now we're on the trail of people pleasing because, and if, you know, you have to have a, an A-list stellar parent to really get that because we're not taught that. The first time anyone makes a human, which to me is the most important job in the universe, whether you do it or not, there's nothing more important than making another human who can impact our world in a, in a, a way of growth or illumination to others. But yet, isn't it fascinating that the first time only amateurs can apply? There's yeah. no other job like that, yet this is the biggest. So that made me feel like, oh, this is where you're supposed to not be the parent to know everything. This is where you're supposed to realize this is also your rebirth. And the way that we're going to make these future adults is we're going to guide them to be led by their own decision-making and also fall in that and find the right balance of, you know, here's some information and, oh, let's look at that together. Um, and so I I hadn't realized that I was really that mom. I wasn't, I was feeling like I was the mom who was like leading, but I was so trying to be in control and keep the safety going and everywhere with my kids loving me and my spouse loving me and my job loving me that I was gone. I'd left the building. Yeah. So I had to lean into back to those little, I like to call them the breadcrumbs on my scavenger hunt back inside my own joy. Yeah. And so what, what divine, do you see that there's a difference between joy and happiness? Oh, absolutely. I, I, happiness to me is a man-made construct these days. You know, I was, I'm 53. So in the eighties, there was a huge song, don't worry, be happy. But what, what happy, what different cultures, different times define happiness, but joy is the communication of your heart. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can get around happiness if you want to, but you lean into something that your heart really finds delicious and pleasurable. 
there's joy. You can't get around it. And almost every spiritual faith has some concept of joy. So I wanted to start that because I, I want people to understand you don't have to do anything new. You just have to do something more and you have to do something with intention that really is to change the way you feel about yourself every second, every day, every hour. Um, and that's that starts through joy, pure, true joy. Yeah, and it takes time. We're a very instant gratification society. Everything's at our fingertips. I want groceries, boom, great. It'll be here in two hours. I want food, DoorDash, great, two hours. It, you know, or 10 minutes. Very, but self-work and, and things. Uh, it took me three years. I made the decision that this wasn't for me and I want to make changes. It took me three years to execute like the thing. So it's like getting there, getting prepared, getting into that space where you can uh, process it and also accept it and you have to be ready for it. Then just, you know, someone can't just be like, you need to change and then boom, you change. Right. And, and the thing is actually, we can boom change, but unfortunately what happens is, is that, I mean, we, we, we project something in the world. I want to be this, I want to have that, but if we don't do the inner work, you know, if we want to see changes in the world outside, we have to do inner systemic change. And if we don't do the inner change, we actually don't believe that thing that we're actually projecting into the world, or we don't feel entitled or have the permission to. So a lot of, for me was like, I was doing all the right things, going to workshops and yoga and breath work and chanting, but I wasn't doing the work to really say, all the parts, you know, Grace, you're safe. You got this. You deserve this. Trust this, you know? And that was the work that actually allowed me to lean into the illumination of joy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think running at a thousand miles an hour all the time, it just, you sit at the end of the day and you're just like, I didn't get anything done. Like, right. right. It's that you did so much, but you didn't get what was important to you done. So, right. you know, then it's just, you feel like you're pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And then you're not being a priority or, and that trickles into everything. Like you said, um, I was going to say, there's a quote in your book that, that, um, is we miss the high valleys running through them to get to another low peak. That was such important for me because, you know, I had created this life where I'm going to keep growing, keep growing. I'm going to have the kids. I'm going to get the job. I'm going to get promoted. I'm going to, I'm going to have this house. I'm going to, you know, you know, it was this build, like you were saying, but what I realized that again, nothing in nature can go up and not go down, that we have to change this concept that we're always supposed to live in this exalted state. We also are going to have not great feeling days or not great feeling moments or complicated feeling moments. And to learn that the real cheat code of life is to be inside all of them without that stimulus changing us so dramatically. What a world if we could teach this to our children, right? Just that you you can have mastery in that way. So I like that example of showing people, if you're trying to climb a mountain, are you not missing all that's happening in the valley? You know, are you not missing anything that's happening on the ascend? And really getting joyful and present in the full range of experiences we have every single day. Yeah, no absolutely. It's about being present. You want to be present in the moment too. I tend to look six steps ahead and not just enjoy like what's happening because I'm either thinking, Oh, I got it, you know, whatever. Or if my kids are trying to show me something and I'm super, I've now been more intentional where I like put my phone away when I'm done at night, just to be where you're present. Cause I've noticed that my kids will look at me like, are you watching? Can you do that later? So they started saying it and I'm like, yes, absolutely. Cause I'm going to listen to you. And unless it's like an emergency, but for the most part, you want to be present, but you don't think about like, 
can we make this quick? Cause I've got more things to do. That's super hard for me. Cause it's like, I got little ones too, though. Mine are little, mine are going to be 10 next month and 10, eight and six. Like I've got young ones. So, you know, like tying a shoe is like, Ooh, you gotta have some patience for that. And then you gotta get the frustration. So I've got the younger ones, but, um, trying to just remember it's like a moment they're going to remember. They don't want to remember mom being frustrated. They want to remember because you have an impact on everything. And for me, I just think about, do I want to see, do I want to see my children being frustrated with my grandkids? You know, just because I'm just thinking, you know, now I'm, my kids are older. I'm also leaning into the potential soon grandma. So I could really see as the amateur parent, first time parent, some of the things I did that I'm really proud of and the tools that they have in their backpack. But then I can see a lot of my frustration and my things and not feeling safe enough to give myself the time for myself enough that when I was with them, I was fully present. And I, and I think that's what presence is. It took me a long time to get presence because that was another trendy buzzword a few years ago, like be present, be here now, be present. What does that mean? And I realized for me, that means that I'm not going to walk into this interview with you with all the issues from the last ones because I'm coming in present to the openness of whatever this is. And I was like you, I used to, I used to say I was constantly on my pre-planning safety highway, you know, like Spider-Man putting the nets out, like what's next? Okay, plan. this is, this is gonna happen, I've gotta do this. I gotta, because that felt like a safety to me, instead of just being in the void space of presence, it felt scary because there was nothing I can control in that moment. So it's been interesting, like you said, my kids did the same thing to me, like, mom, are you on the phone again? Mom, are you traveling again? Mom, and I took the time to lean into them and say, what would feel good to you? Like how much, like, let's sit down as a family, because I think every relationship needs a new deal memo every six months, you know, at the least say, okay, now you're teenagers. I used to travel this much or that much. I'm having this come up, but what, what is it you need for your heart to feel good and feel seen and supported by mom? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I, and I realized that that is the work that I was never doing for myself in partnership. So if I can help figure that out with them, then I can maybe start changing some of those dynamics with myself. Yeah. Cause that's tricky, right? Because you're trying to also, for me, I'm a, I'm a single mom. I, I work, I work from home. So when they come home, I be accessible to them, but at the same time, they have to understand that like my office is my office, pretend I'm not here, which is very hard. And they've been at school all day and trying to also set the boundary of like, I have a job I have to, cause we can't pay bills without a job, but I don't want to ignore you, but you know, and I've tried, you know, we're, we're still tweaking, but for the most part, it's like modeling the behavior that mom does have other things other than us because they, kids are temporary when it comes to living at the home. Most of the time, you know, right. um, 18 years old, they're gone. And so you want to continue to lay the foundation for your life when they're out and you don't wait until you're there 18 to start. A thousand. Yeah. And, and it's very real. Everything you said that they do know that the, they also have to learn boundaries because I don't believe yeah. that love is unconditional. Real love has lots of conditions. So a condition for you would be, I'm, I know you're home and present. Maybe you give them a kiss when they come in, but mom is working and this is the time that I'm off and this is the time we'll be present together, whatever it is. That helps them in real life. You know, I feel like I found a lot of my friends, especially at kids older, there was like a preciousness that was happening around rearing their kids that took a lot of the future adult stuff out. And so I would say, if you want to have a giant baby forever, that's cool. But at the same time, if you can help them workshop a life of learning to meet their needs and yet understand the boundaries of things they cannot get in moments with people, what incredible life skills that they're coming out, they're coming out of their home boot camp with. So that's fantastic, I think. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, learn that also too. And I was always from a very like reactive uh, environment. And so I was always trying to do one step, you know, ahead or six steps ahead. But when you were saying like sitting in it, it's so uncomfortable because like for me right now, I'm now like, I just moved, you know, it's been about six months, seven months almost when I've moved, the kids are now in new school. Like it's just a whole like life change. There's no more, not a lot, there's some, but not a lot every day where there's crisis and things that you have to duck and dodge. And it's actually quite weird and very um, uncomfortable to be able to sit and have zero drama, zero, but like, you don't have to anticipate anything other than like anticipating my kids, like arguments between each other. But other than that, that's parenting, but it's that my goal. And now I'm there, now you're like sitting in like, okay, this was my goal and it, see how it feels like what would be next. It's very, to keep the train going. You want to stay stagnant. Yeah. I understand. I mean, not, our world promotes that too. So it's a difficult thing. And I think that's really kind of the, the point of the book is that also, I'm not saying there's any one exercise or one thing to do or one tool. We have to really take into, consider, take into consideration our whole life. You know, what do I need to feed my own soul? What do I need to feed my own juiciness? What do I need to support my family? What do I need to support my career? But making sure that you have a very prominent place in the center of that so that you can fan the flames of your own joy. And that's different for everyone, but it starts with some practices that lead you back into your own truth. Yeah, and this book really does tap into everything. I mean, there's um, there's a toolbox and you dip into that. Um, that joy is not a luxury, um, but joy is our birthright. And we talk, you talk about ego um, and your take on ego, which is a huge one where if you go to therapy, you would, I mean, you do, I mean, I've been to law therapy. So I've learned a lot about just ego and just setting it aside or, or what not to. So you really do touch on quite a few points in this book. It's amazing. I really like the, um, I am instead of am I for, for that, um, almost midway through the book, I flipped through it and read several sections and it's a guide. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a guide to, to just figure out exactly what it is. Um, talking about like the brain and how your body like filters in information, right? Like, like ego, for instance, the picture, and it's got pictures. It's got pictures. Yes. Us adults need pictures too. Yes. hundred percent. Um, Real quick, well, uh, for like the ego part. So it's a very interesting like photo or uh, not photo, but like a, a drawing. Image. It's a very powerful image. Thank you. Um, tell me a little bit more about where that came from. Like the, the image. Yes. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, um, symbols from Africa called Indinkra symbols. And actually our heart is actually from that symbology. Um, and it, it, it's an interesting thing. So what I did was I took all these original Andinkra symbols from Africa and made the shapes in that actually speak to the characteristic of each character. So when you when you go back and look at that, and it's really the point of things unraveling and opening up more and more and us understanding that beginner's mind that there's always more there. So there's just different characteristics of brain, heart, and ego represented in the symbols that make up their bodies and the characters. And these characters, are they based off of people or your experiences that you named? They're based off of the characteristics of each each one in truth. Like what is ego? That's why ego has the two sides. Yeah. It comes to triangles because it's really, ego is not to eradicate. We should not have an ego, but we have to keep an ego in balance. 
And that's why I put the description of kind of who they are. They're hype people. Egos are, you know, when they're in balance, they're fanning the flames of your passions. When they're not, they're fear scaring you into trying to have some more bravado. And the brain also, just this tall column, very like Rapunzel's, you can't get in it. The brain kind of resting on top, just to give that concept. And then heart is like the sunshine and this lightness uh, and pleasure. And so I just wanted people to look at something and without even having to read it, see that you have that full team inside you. And however you organize your team is how you're going to really impact and illuminate more joy in your heart. Oh, I love that. That's so, it's the way that you just described it was amazing. And and you also put visuals with it, which is very helpful because not all kids, like kids love their, their picture books. And we, it, I'm a visual learner. So when you can see it and understand it, it's, it's a lot better. And, and, you can see inside your head where you were coming from when you were writing it. So it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And so for the listeners, if you're interested in picking up this incredible pink guys, and it has a big like bubble gum bubble on the front, uh, your path interchange, um, please go grab yourself a coffee. It's a light read. It really is a quick read. Um, and it does have a lot of impactful um, information and just ways of looking at things that just turn brain on to a different because we always need information coming in from other places to to give us a different way of in perspective so um grace can you uh share with us where we can find it where we can find you um yes thanks thank you the book is uh, everywhere books are sold barnes and nobles amazon i'm doing a book signing today at barnes and nobles in brooklyn on atlantic avenue um i also have a website thejoystrategist.com and you can also find me on instagram at, at grace harry and there's an audio book as well. Oh, I say those are so trending these days, but um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to the chaos and cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with follow the crumbs, to the Facebook group, or visit the chaos and cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of chaos and cookies.